Everybody looks for an excuse, but this congregation is unlike many others. So many of you are here this morning because it's very important. Uh, be honest with me. How many open presents this morning before you came? Okay. All right. I see a few hands that didn't go up. I'll be praying for you and the kids because you have to wait till later to open those gifts. We always used to ask Drew when he was five years old or four years old, uh, what did Santa bring you? And he says, you mean Grandma? <laughs> he had it figured out a long time ago. Uh, I just love, this is a, a very special day for me to be able to sit around as everybody's gathered there in the family room. And I just love, this is my favorite part, to watch my children and my grandson open up presents that Fran has bought them. It's a very special time for me to see what they got. Uh, but I tell you, this is a special time for all of us in knowing that this is a time where we can sit down and, and really be together. And I'm so glad to see uh, that so many of you have brought your families, and that's a very important part of this day. I'm also thankful that uh, David and Christy and Aiden are with us. Aren't you glad that he's working with us here? And uh, he had asked to have some time off from the pulpit of which we were happy to do because he serves so strong and so, so often, and we just want him to, to be able to take some time off once in a while. Uh, and they mean so much to us, and what a blessed family we are. We should be thankful for that, shouldn't we? So let's be thankful for that. I, I wonder, uh, is that something that you think about, uh, when you're thinking about the verse that was put on the screen, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave the greatest gift, didn't he? I mean, we know that. But I wonder, what do you think the greatest gift you ever got when you were a child? Um, I'll tell you what my greatest gift was, is many Christmas mornings, my dad was not home. He worked for the Wayne County Road Commission, so he was always spreading salt, plowing streets, and when it snowed, he was out there. Today, he would have been out there. Uh, and so there were many Christmas Eves and Christmases when Dad didn't get to come home, and we had to wait till he came home. And you talk about some sacrifice of a child is to wait for Dad to get home to open those gifts. Sometimes they'd let us open one gift until Dad got home. But that was a, one of my greatest gifts and understanding it. I remember it just like it was yesterday, the sacrifices we made because dad was out plowing snow and salting the roads. Uh, but I think all of us have a gift. And these are the things I want you to think about. That's why I wanted you to think about this first slide about the season depends on who we choose to focus on. You know, this, this is the kind of thing that would bring us to understand what we're supposed to focus on. What are we focusing on? Uh, I'll tell you, yesterday I called Jerry Falzine down in Florida. Jerry and Joyce, uh, he was an elder at the Rochester Hills Church of Christ, and he has contracted a very, very severe and rare cancer. He's lying in his living room today on a hospital bed, and uh, he's been suffering for a long time. And every time I call him, his voice gets a little bit weaker and a little bit weaker. And uh, that's the kind of call that will help you to see that you're so blessed. 
and you have so many blessings in this life. And uh, Jerry and Joyce are in our prayers. Um, I, I just hope and pray that I'll be able to get down there um, and to be able to spend some time with him uh, next week. But he's a blessing. He and Joyce are a real blessing. And I want you to keep Jerry and Joyce in your prayers, if you would. And that's why I think there are some special things that we need to know about today. And that is that Paul wanted them to focus on the right thing. But in this letter that, that Pat was reading, he's talking to many different people. In verses 1 and 2, he's talking to slaves. In verses 3 and 4, he's talking to heretics. In verses 6 and verse 10, he's talking about the godliness people and people that were rich. He's talking about all different kinds of people that were in the church there in Ephesus where Timothy was serving. So this is a letter, not just to Timothy, but all the members of the church there and all of us as well today. It's a great lesson for us to remember all these things. I love what when Pat was reading, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. He's wanting us to serve under anybody in our life without complaints, doing a good job, being a good employee today, whatever, do whatever you can to be the right kind of person. Why? Because it's for his sake. It's for the Lord's sake. That's why we're doing it. He wants us to know what that's all about. But I want us to think about all of those groups. The one group that I think we have to be careful about is I want us not to write off the rich because we don't know what they do with their riches. You know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that, that do a lot of things with their riches. The richest man I ever knew, uh, every Wednesday night after a Bible study in, in the winter, we would take pizzas and hot chocolate down to the homeless that were living on the streets of Toledo. And uh, he was always there for them. In fact, we were able to organize so we could take some people off the streets and get them an apartment and electricity and phones and things like that. But here was a man that did it in the sidelines, in the shadows. He didn't want everybody to know about it, but he wanted to help people. And so we think highly of Jim and Kathy because he was that kind of a person. In fact, he, he not only did that, but he helped a lot of people out that you don't even know about, that people don't know about. We just don't know. There was a man in Toledo, we would feed the hungry on, on first Friday of every month and uh, get in the kitchen, and there was a man that was very wealthy in Toledo, and he would bring a big truckload of turkeys. And so we had all the meat. He provided all the meat for every meal that we ever cooked. So there are people out there that, that have money. And before we criticize them, remember that a lot of them are giving to charities. A lot of them are giving to poor. But there is a warning here. He wants us to be careful with our riches. And he wants people that do have money to make sure that they're using money and not letting money use them. There's a danger in that. And he wanted to make that clear. Well, I, I don't want to belabor the point too much, but... He does want us to know that we should not get conceited. Don't conce get conceited about your station in life. But there are three things he says here. Number one, he says we need to be good. We need to be rich in good deeds. And we need to be ready to share. 
You know, that's one of the hardest things to learn, I think, for human beings, is how to share. It's so difficult to learn how to share because it's something that we have and it's ours and we don't want to give to other people. Um, you know, it's been my, my uh, observation that when you go shopping and two people pull up to a parking place, we want that parking place and they want that parking place. Now, around Christmas season, people are just waving people in. Go ahead and take the parking place. But when it's not Christmas season, you hear things like, don't even think about it, fat boy. You hear, you hear, things, you hear things you'd never hear any other time of the year. You know, it's just a different time now. And Paul was very careful to let them know, don't be con- conceited about who you are. You know, being conceited means that we think of only of ourselves. And uh, I was talking to Roberto this morning. He was saying that he was carrying a lot of people around to appointments and to, and to, to family outings today that couldn't make it. But that's a very special thing that he does. And that's, that's the kind of person who's not conceited and not only thinking about themselves. Narcissism is one of the greatest enemies of Christ. And he wants to see us be able to be able to share with people at all times. But here's the dangers of of Christmas. I wanted us to spend a moment talking about the dangers of this season. Because Paul was very concerned about how they were acting in the Church of Christ in Ephesus. And number one, let's be careful about doctrinal dangers. We know that in Colossians 1.18 that Christ is the head of the church. He has a preeminence, doesn't he? But he wants us to know that he is the head of the church. Let's not make it a point of arguing. Let's not spend time trying to cut people down that are celebrating this as the day that Christ was born. There are more important things, and that is making sure that we take opportunity to share with them who Jesus really is. Let's tell them what he's done for us. They're they're in that point where they're thinking about spiritual things, and this is a prime opportunity to do that. And the Lord is presenting these people to us and allowing us to make a difference in their life. I I just feel that there are times when we can spend the right amount of time with people understanding where their point in life is. You know, this this past Tuesday, Fran and I and my brother and sister-in-law were eating dinner together, and uh, our waiter's name was Aiden. And I thought of you, Aiden, when he, when he was waiting on us. Um, and we asked him, you know, before we led prayer, we asked him, do you have any prayer requests? Because we're going to have prayer. And he said, in tears, he said, he said, would you please pray for my friend's family? His name is Peter, and he died three days ago. He was snowboarding, and he got killed on the snowboarding trail. Aiden needed prayers, and he was very open to that. People are open to spiritual matters. They're open right now, and we need to talk to them. Uh, We were grocery shopping Wednesday at at Walmart, and a man stopped me, and we started talking. His name was Jeffrey. He might be here this morning. I'm not sure. But he opened up about all kinds of things, and I said, Fran, Jeffrey just stopped me to talk to me. She said, right, you're usually the one that stops people to talk to them. (laughs) Uh, But Jeff was such a nice guy. He was a counselor who had retired from uh, uh, Wayne State University. 
and he wanted to talk about the blessings in his life. People are open to talking about good things and blessings. Let's take that opportunity. It's right there. And we can talk to them and, and open up about what the Lord has done for us and how Jesus can do those kinds of things for us. So that's danger number one. Danger number two is impressing without imparting Jesus. We're not here just to talk to people to impress them. Don't try to tell them how great you are, but try to find out what they need in their life. Because they can hear our story all day long, but they want to share themselves. People that you ask about their life will go away thinking, that person was so nice, and they didn't realize that you were talking about their life and their needs and what they're going through and the illnesses they've had. It just so happened that Jeffrey had had a heart attack. In fact, he fell as he was opening the doors to his classroom at Wayne State University. Just fell and had a heart attack. And they had to bring him back with paddles. And he was telling me what a wonderful prize it was to live for the Lord and to be blessed like he's been. So let's just not impress people, but let's impart Jesus to them. The third danger, I think, is spending more than you have. I think we have to be careful. Now, this is going to sound like Dave Ramsey. Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't just slap your credit card down all the time. Be careful about what you're doing. Slap your credit card down when you have enough to pay for that charge you're about to make. Make sure that you're not living above your means, especially at this time of year. Some people go into so much debt, they have to work the rest of the year, the next year, just to get out of debt. I know it sounds shocking to some of us, but it happens. So let's make sure that we're careful about spending more than we have. The Lord doesn't want us to go to debt. In fact, I find the greatest gifts that people can have and give today are the inexpensive gifts, don't you? We don't need a lot of money spent on us. Just knowing that somebody thought enough to get me something is very impressive, and it touches me. And I know it does to you as well. So the second danger is danger of spending more than you have. Another danger is the danger of being built up for a letdown. We build up this time of the year so much that it really doesn't cause us the ability to get through the season without being rattled and upset. You know when the greatest time that people have arguments is? This time of the year. It's true, isn't it? Be careful about what you're thinking and what you're doing and, and the things you're saying to people. Timothy talks about that in his letter to, or Paul does in his letter to Timothy, knowing that that's really what's important. So let's be careful. That danger of being built up for a letdown can be devastating for families. Sadly, this is even the time when families have problems with each other. And I spoke to more than one family this year. I spoke to mom, one mom this, this past month who was devastated because she wasn't going to spend time with her kids because there's problems between the family and they can't rectify it. They can't bring about some kind of concessions so that they can get along and spend time together. So there's a danger of being built up for a letdown. This is also the time of the year next week when more people suffer from depression than at any other time of the year. Because the season's over, the gift giving's done, the wrappings are put away, the Christmas tree's put away, the dinner's done. 
The money's been spent, and we're done. That's it. And many people in January really get depressed because the season's over. We seem to put away the spirit of love and getting along with each other away with our gifts. So let's not do that. Another danger is the danger of spoiling our children and grandchildren. <laughs> That's a danger, isn't it? Um, raise your hand if you think we spend too much on our kids. Anybody? Ah, some of you are brave enough to put your hand up. Um, I hear a lot of people saying that, but not everybody will own up to it. Um, Fran and I have never spent too much. I probably need to repent before I go any further. Uh, but it's a real danger. I've heard some great ideas where people limit the amount of money that they spend on their kids at Christmas time. I think that's a great idea. That's how we were as kids. Our parents said, you can have $20 this Christmas. That was our limit, $20. Now, back then, in the days of horses and buggies, that was a lot of money, you know? That was a lot of money. Um, today, it wouldn't buy anything, would it? But it's not a bad idea to have limits on gifts. Uh, I've heard of other families, I think this is very inventive, is a lot of the parents are putting away some of the gifts and bringing them out later for the kids to play with. When they've forgotten about them, they're putting them away. I think that's a wise idea. Just let them play with it during the year instead of all at once because they're overloaded. They've got too many things and we just give too many things to our kids. So those are the dangers. I think there's dangers in every area of life that we need to be careful for. I, I wanted to give you those, those five dangers because I felt they were important. But I wanted to read to you something at the end of my lesson. It's about a student's gift to the teacher. Um, this time of the year can affect us in different ways. Never doubt that your gesture or your little initiative can make a difference in someone's life. Here's a great story about how we can all impact each other. There's a story from many years ago that tells of an elementary school teacher whose name was Mrs. Thompson. As she stood in front of her fifth grade class on the first day of school, she told her children a lie. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and told them she loved them all the same. But that simply was not true because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Mrs. Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed he didn't play well with the other children. His clothes were messy and constantly needed a bath. Teddy could be unpleasant at times. It got to the point where Mrs. Thompson would take delight in marking his papers with a broad red pen and making bold X's and finally putting a big F at the top of his papers. At the school where Mrs. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past records. She put Teddy's list off until last. When she finally reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He's a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student and well-liked by his classmates. But he's troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. 
His third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest. His home life will soon affect him if steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and sometimes even sleeps in class. By now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem, and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought her Christmas presents, piled them up on her desk, and they were wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in heavy brown paper that he got from a grocery bag. Mrs. Thompson took pains to open it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle of perfume that was one quarter full. But she stifled the children's laughter when she explained how pretty the bracelet was while putting it on and then dabbing some of the perfume on her wrist. Teddy Stoddard stayed after school that day, just long enough to say, Mrs. Thompson, today you smell just like my mom used to. After the children left, she cried for at least an hour. On this very day, she quit teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and instead she began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson began to pay close attention to Teddy as, he worked, as she worked with him. As time went on, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. By the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class. Despite her lies, she had become one of her, her teacher's pets. A year later, she found a note under the door from Teddy telling her that she was the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. Six years passed by, and to her surprise, another note came from Teddy. He wrote that he had finished high school third in his class and that she was still the best teacher that he ever had in his whole life. Four years later, another letter came saying that while things had been tough at times, he stayed in school and stuck with it, and he graduated from college with the highest of honors. He assured Mrs. Thompson that she was still the very best and favorite teacher he had ever had in his whole life. Four more years passed by, and yet another letter. This time, Teddy explained that after he got his bachelor's degree, he decided to go further again, assuring her that she was still the best and favorite teacher he ever had. The letter was signed, Theodore F. Stoddard, M.D. The story doesn't end there. There was one final letter that spring. Teddy said that he had met this girl and that he was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a few years ago and he was wondering if Mrs. Thompson might agree to sit in the place of his family at his wedding. That was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course, Mrs. Thompson did. She wore that bracelet, the one with the several rhinestones missing. She also made sure she was wearing the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother wearing on their last Christmas together. After the wedding, they hugged each other, and as Dr. Stoddard whispered in Mrs. Thompson's ear, thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference. Mrs. Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back, Teddy, you have it all wrong. <laughs>
You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. Let's not forget the little people in our lives. The Lord thought so much about children in Matthew 18. He called the children to his lap. I could see him right now having a girl on this side and a boy on this side, just little babies, and spending time with little children. We get so wrapped up in our life that we forget about the little people, the ostracized people, the fringe people. The Lord doesn't want us to forget them. That's not a danger, a warning for Christmas. That's a a warning for the whole year. Let's not forget the little ones. If you're here this morning and you know that you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do, you've never been added to the Lord's church, never put Christ on in baptism, we want to take just a moment to sing a song of encouragement to invite anyone here this morning that wants to put Christ on in baptism. Don't, don't you dare leave this building without making that important decision. Let's stand together and sing. Because I will.